anyway, the parasha, uh, as we know, it's called Vaishlach. One, one of those, those of you who know me, one of my favorite. The reason I love those type of parashot because there is something to learn even from the story. Now we know that Rabbi Chaim Vital, in the name of Rabbi Isaac Luria, write that we cannot take the story as it is. It's wrong to take the story as it is because it's, we're insulting the writer. And the writer is the creator, is God. So we have to always look in for the meaning of everything. That's what we study Zohar, that's what we study Kabbalah, because you're taking the point of view of God. If you just read it the way it is, you're kind of taking the point of view of yourself. And it's not right to do it. And that's why the importance of studying Kabbalah is, um, uh, I start writing a book on Kabbalah. Many people ask me to write a book on Kabbalah. Finally, I did it. I decided to do it. And uh, I'm in the fourth chapter, and as I'm writing it, there's so much that people want to know. You know, and I, 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 I refuse to do it because until a person asks me, is, and he speaks Hebrew, he said, what is sefirot? Because sefirot is the same thing as lispo, the verb to count. I said, no, 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 it's not to count. And then I find myself explaining to him, so, 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 yes, and I read many books, we need a book that has everything in it. So, okay, I'm going to work on it. So I start working on it, and it's not a shame. So, and the important is I'm working on a book, I'm looking at Dari, I'm looking at so many books to see what they have to say about Kabbalah in the importance of Kabbalah. And you get like a new uh, appreciation from Rabbi Isaac Luria about what we're doing here. And the importance of what we're doing, we are not just studying for a philosophical reason or educational, we are studying to make a difference in the world. Because we are here to make a difference in the world, not just from ethics point of view, not just by behaving better, is we are making a difference in the, in the levels that the people who think different behave different just because we are studying. So that's the importance of us meeting together and making a difference. Now, we are a small group, and we're making the difference now, together with the people who are watching us now live, and we're making the difference in your surrounding, wherever you are. You want to make a difference when, you, when you're listening to it. The story is a very powerful story, and I will share with you that when I was um, in the second grade, I was in yeshiva, in a Jewish Orthodox school, I asked a question, and I remember, I didn't know it was a good question, I thought I did something wrong, because I was in a very tough yeshiva, very tough education, and I asked, why would Jacob, being a smart guy, sending messenger or angel to his brother, that's what this parasha is about, Jacob is sending a messenger to his brother who tried to kill him, to tell him that he come to make peace with him. Just leave it alone, keep it quiet, Disappear from your brother. Either you die first or he die first. And never go to meet with him again. When I asked it to the rabbi, my rabbi, second grade, what do I know? Right away, they stopped. They took me to the manager office, to the head rabbi's office. And I'm looking around. I said, what have I done? I'm a good boy. I've never did anything wrong. Never. Never even say a bad word. And I'm sitting there shaking. They didn't tell me it was such a good question that they need the head rabbi to hear it from me. And then he will bring his head rabbi to come. So now imagine me, like, what is it, seven or eight years old, sitting in the office, and there is, like, a group of rabbis so excited that they met me now. And I don't know that. Like, I'm thinking, thinking that the question was so bad that I, I'm, I'm supposed to be punished by all of them. And I remember, so that question is, like, every time that this section comes, it brings so much memory, surrounded by rabbis, and they, instead of those, like, the faces of, on them, on me, and saying, oh, we will, and then they explained to me what, what it means. I didn't understand a word they were saying. So after one hour of explanation, I went home with a gift of, uh, of colors that you paint on, on a thing and, and, and a chocolate. I will never forget that. I came home, of course, I was all happy with the chocolate. And I came home. And I tried to explain to my parents. I was so excited. I said, parents, you wouldn't believe what happened today. So I tell them the question. I tell them the gift. Everybody's happy. So my father, being my father, that's his style on the time, Virgo Libra, he asked the best question. So what was the answer? <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> so the idea, the idea is that sometimes we're so busy with our ego that we don't even know what happened. You know, it's, something is going on, but we're missing the point because the ego is so big. Hey, somebody told me I'm important. Okay, so can you tell us what he told you you should do? I don't know, but I was happy with that. That's good. The story goes like that. Jacob sending angels or messenger, you can look at it in both ways, to his brother, Esau. And he's telling him that he was living with Lavan. Of course, the reason they tell him he lived with Lavan, Lavan was an evil man. 
Lavan was uh, using witchcraft to kill people. Very dangerous man, very dangerous man. And to be able to get out of there, that was tremendous. So he's already telling him, listen, I'm coming to meet with you, but don't forget, I'm the one who uh, survived Lavan for many years. I was there and I came out uh, in, a, in a very good way. In the same time, he's talking to God. It's a very beautiful thing happening, even on the level of the pshat, even on a simple level. He's praying to God that he's saying, God, please help me, save me from my brother Esau. Now, you, in the Torah, there is no reason to put additional word. Save me from my brother Esau. You can save me, save me from Esau or save me from my brother. But he's trying to tell God, listen, he is my brother, but he's acting like Esau because he's acting like a killer. And, of course, the story continues and uh, he's getting preparation for this meeting. And as he's meeting Esau, um, uh, the situation is very uh, difficult because you're meeting your enemy, you're meeting your killer. What do we do? And it's written like that, uh, that that Esau, I want to read it to you. Esau kissed him. Rashi, which is a commentary on the Bible, said that he want to bite him, like a snake bite a person, but he couldn't, he couldn't bite him. Rashi say, Jacob did certain technology to, to change Esau's attention. So, of course, we want to know, how do you change your enemy instead of killing you to love you? What do you do? What's the secret? He say, well, what makes people love or hate? It's a very interesting concept that the Kabbalists explain. It's very deep. It's not, it's not I didn't find it from the Zohar. What makes a person hate you or love you? You want to know. Do you think people hate you when you allow them to give you? Or people hate you when you don't allow them to give you? Obviously, if you study Kabbalah a long time enough, your lover, the people who love you, is only the people that you allow them to give you. Why? Because when a person has the ability to give you something and you receive it, they, give, they get pleasure because they become exactly like God. They become the creator themselves. When a child comes to you and a child cooks a dinner for you, the dinner can be small or lousy, but that's that you receive the dinner, what you're causing in the heart of your son or your daughter, love toward you. Allowing the other person to give you, that's been allowing them to be the one that give. Once they're allowed to give, give equals something that's called love, then they have to love you. So the one who cannot love you, the one who's your enemy, is the one that you never allow them to give you. Most people think your enemy is the one who want to take something from you. The natural tendency of humanity is to give. If you take that away from them, they start hating you. So if you want to make people love you, always activate within them the ability to give you something. It doesn't matter how small or how big. That's what makes people love you. When you ask, hey, can you help me with something? Even if they're not in a mood. In the end, after they help you, they feel great. That's a secret of what Jacob did before even we go to the Zohar. So, Jacob, I mean, if you just hear the story, it's amazing. How he get out of his enemy. After they're all good, they shake hands. And they say, wow, that's my family, that's your family. Of course, he's hiding uh, Dina. He's hiding his, uh, one of his daughters. He didn't want Esau to touch her. <laughs> Mistake also. Because... Uh, he didn't want his daughter Dina to go with that wicked person. But you know where she ended up in the end. So you cannot disturb the flow of how the universe is operate. Again, you cannot. There is flow to the universe. And the universe operates in a certain way. When you don't believe that things good can happen to you, what happened to you? Bad things happen to you. If you don't believe that good things are supposed to happen to you, if you don't believe that you deserve good things to happen to you, then expect that thing to happen to you. Not because you've been punished. Because you, you don't believe that good things can happen to you. That's why this week, very important, your consciousness, I know good things will happen to me. I'm drawing the good thing that will happen to me. And eventually she was raped. Dina was raped by Shechem. The place Shechem is after the name of that person. Shechem ben Hamor, his father called Hamor. His name is Shechem. Rape. The 
the way that her brother deal with the situation, they are aggressive, they kill everybody there in a very nasty way. And the idea what we learned from that Jacob deal with his enemy in a stylish, elegant way. His sons didn't. And that's why he say, I don't want my name to be mentioned next to your name. Their name is Shimon and Levi. The Levi and Shimon. So I'm just showing you like the style of Jacob. Jacob was in a very beautiful style. Get everything done. Not too much noise like a lot of people like to do. And of course, uh, in the end of the parasha, Rachel died. She gave birth for another boy. And, and she died. This is the, the parasha. Seem a lot, but more uh, important, it's to get into an understanding before we going into the Zohar of what in our life we want to accomplish this week. What is it about your life this week that you didn't confront? What about your life thing that you didn't accomplish yet? How much you expect from life to treat you? How do you want life to treat you? Do you look at your life that, that you expecting bad and you will do the best you can to do it and to deal with it and to overcome it? Or you expect life to treat you in the best way that the life is supposed to treat you? Not because you have expectation. Because you know that in the thought of the Creator, as it's written, that the Creator will never stop the fulfillment from a person who really believe that goodness is coming. Whatever it is your health, whatever it is your money, whatever it is your relationship, it's all available. But you need first to be the believer. If you are not the believer in yourself, then don't expect the force to believe in you. Do you believe first and then it starts happening? So Jacob, more than other people, was capable to get into that what we call belief system, that good can happen. Now, he didn't have any reason to believe because if you look at his life, everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. How do you put yourself together and become a believer, of course? Now, why is Jacob, few questions before we get to the Zohar, reminding God about the promise that God promised him in the parasha. He'd say, God, don't forget, you promised me that everything's going to be okay. And I'm about to confront my, my brother who promised to kill me. And the idea is, when you are traveling somewhere, it's always good to do a tefillah, good to do a prayer. When you are moving from one place to another, when you are doing something, why? Because every city has an angel. Every city has a minister. Every city has a minister. When you move from LA, let's say to Vegas, there's a different minister. When you move from even from this area to, let's say, Pasadena, different minister. Every area have a different minister. And you want to make sure that that angel, that minister, is okay with you. Because after all, on your forehead, like every other human being, there is everything you did today, this month, last lifetime. Everything is on your forehead. The angel comes with a file, almost like a guy who changed the oil in your car. Say, <laughs> we got a problem here. Not a problem. No? So now you get a good deal. You pray in this town, here in this town. You pray, you did your job, you did Shuba, you did this. But the sign has not been removed from the forehead yet. Now you move to Pasadena. Hey <laughs> man, we got a problem. Somebody just walked into my territory. You need to understand there is operation. Now that's a small distance. But if you travel long distance, okay, you go into Israel, for example. I don't know if you know that, what Rabbi Avraham Azulai said. If you, Israel is the one, I shouldn't use Israel because it's a unique system there. The angels is different there. But I can tell you, in Israel, what happened to you, if you stay longer than three months, they change your soul. <laughs> they take the soul, they take the angel, get rid of it, put a new soul. The problem is also the good thing you did is gone. All the bad thing is gone, but also the good thing is gone. That's why Rabbi Ezekiel, when he was living in Egypt and he moved to Israel, he forget all the good things he did and all the bad things he did. Everything, gone. Pew. Start all from scratch. But for bad people, it's good news. For people who did all their life spirituality, moving their hey, 
people say, well, what happened? All my 30 years of study, I mean, what, what about that? <laughs> so he said, you start all over. It's very, very interesting, you know, just think. So he's got a different. But let's say you travel to Russia or to Morocco or to Paris. As you travel, you have to do a prayer. You have to commit a prayer because that prayer is shifting gear between one place to another. And that's why Jacob said to God, hey, he talked to the boss now, not to the minister. He said, God, I want to make sure that everybody knows, same me, just moving from here to here. No big deal. Same. Okay, make sure the minister know. The, the, text them, Twitter, you know. Make sure you tweet all the messages that I'm coming. Anyway, we know a few more things. Uh, Jacob, the angel, wrestling with the angels. He touches Gida Nashe. Gida Nashe is a sciatica. And uh, that's why we don't eat. Those of you who eat kosher, we never eat what we call filet mignon. Filet mignon is from the back of the cow. The reason we don't eat it because to the filet mignon move a vein, or I should say a nerve. It's called the sciatic. So you cannot eat the sciatic if you eat kosher. Right? Can. Because that connects to the dark side. That connects to Satan. That connects to the angel of death. That's the part. I mean, Sephardic, there is Sephardic Jew who know how to do it. They take a needles and they go and do it. But then the, the piece of steak will cost more than the cow. You know, they sit there all day long until they move every piece of it. And it exists. I have to tell you, it exists. I saw it. But the investment is, uh, you don't have the money to pay for it. So forget it. You know, so what they do usually, the half of the cow, either give it to the zoo or either sell it to people who don't eat kosher. So the front of the cow you eat, those of you eat meat, and the back of the cow, gone. You know, it's kind of interesting. How do I know it? My, my friend, uh, Dudi, in Israel, is somebody who served me in the army. That's what he does for a living. So he found a new business. He sells the front of the cow to the Jew, the back of the cow to the Muslim, and he makes double the money. That's what he does. <laughs> All right? He came up with this idea. God bless him, David. <laughs> if he listen. <laughs> Good. Unbelievable. Like, he found a new business. What happened with Shechem exactly? Shechem is Nablus in English. Nablus, till today, is a city that has a lot of tension. Uh, I served there as a soldier. I've been there as a Kabbalist as well. Tough, tough place. Tough place. My son went to Bar Mitzvah there. We did the Bar Mitzvah to go to the Torah with few Kalashnikov around us, you know, AK-47, if you know what it is. So, interesting Bar Mitzvah to my son. I teach him how to ignore the surrounding for a long time. So, because Joseph, the righteous, is buried there. Where is he buried? He buried between two mountains. Ar Grizim and Ar Eval. One mountain is the mountain of the curse. One mountain is the mountain of the blessing. Interesting, right? What are them? Eh? Two mountains. In the middle, Shechem. That's Shechem, if you want to know what Shechem. Shechem is in the middle between the two columns, <laughs> if you want to call it. So, you're talking about a very powerful place. And that place was the Israelite or the children of Jacob behave with no human dignity, with no respect. They cheat people and they kill them after that. That energy is still there. When you commit a crime in a certain place, the place is still as the, 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 the energy of that crime. When a righteous person go there to that place and let's say do Natila Tedaim, wash the head, do Amotzi, and meditate, I would like to elevate all the spark of hatred to where they belong, then you can fix the place. Yes, so it's a very important. The reason we like to go to certain places and we hate to go to certain places, or the reason we like a certain restaurant and then we're tired of that restaurant, is because there is no more spark to elevate at that place. You don't need to go there again. You only go to places where connecting to your soul the elevation of the soul. So when you feel strong desire to go somewhere is because in that place it's waiting for you to elevate something that connects to your soul. Otherwise you wouldn't go. Only reason. Many times, you know, you go to a place, David and me has a cafe that we go for 20 years in, in uh, New York City. We go, when we go, what he has espresso. Chick, big deal. Why, why am I going there? Why am I going there? There's espresso. Enough in this place. Enough. Every time I have espresso. So I guess I have to elevate something now. Last time I was, I was just now in New York, 
And I'm looking at her. She said, what happened? I don't know. I don't, I don't have it. I said, what do you mean? I said, I think we're done here. I love it. We finished the tikkun with this place, with the espresso thing. Same place. You know? I said, oh, my God. You feel it? Yes, no connection. And then as we finish this, we found the new place, right? You know, it's, it's nothing to do with how much you like the coffee. Coffee is expensive. What is the difference? But it is elevation of the food, elevation of something that happened there that connects to your soul. And that's why you're going back down. And let's say if you, some people will never go to South America. Some people never go to South Africa. Some people never go to Australia. There is nothing connect to your soul there. There is no spark to connect you. But if you have desire to go somewhere, that means that your soul has craving, like, Oh, I know part of my soul is there and I need to elevate the peace here and elevate the peace and elevate the peace. What do you do? Every time you go to those new places, do some mitzvah, do something. Do a pray, do meditation, eat some meal or something so you can elevate. Don't just go for, for, no, for no reason, you know? I mean, I found myself with my lovely wife in Hong Kong. I, I, I don't have any connection to Hong Kong. I don't feel connection to Hong Kong. I try, but I don't feel the connection. I try everything possible. I, trust me. I went from place to place to try to elevate, to do something. The city almost kicked me out. You know, get out of it. That was the feeling. So what I'm trying to tell you, Shem is a place that there is for a long, long time elevation, elevation of all the spark of hatred that's there. It's very difficult. Very difficult to elevate those sparks. Those of you who ever go to Shem, Remember, Rachel is dying this week, parasha. She's buried in a certain place. All of you have been there. Rachel, what can I tell you? Rachel is in charge of the physical universe as we know it. She's the bridge between the spiritual and the physical. She's standing exactly, taking care. She landed here in the physicality. She's all illusion. Everything you look at it is an illusion. So she's in charge when we fall down from the illusion world into something lower than the illusion world. It's called the clipot, which is below. Because the engine of the illusion coming from below, it's called the clipot universe. She is sitting there to make sure when somebody falls down to bring him back up. Very, very important. The, po the power of Rachel. The power of Rachel. And now we're going to go to the Zohar. And I'm going to speak first how to protect yourself from darkness. Um, and the idea, because we're talking about angels and we talk about Esau, the Zohar is not related to the story, as I say. The Zohar always brings you the sword, the secret. And we have the responsibility to always look into why the Zohar mentions specifically that section in this week, Parsha. We have the responsibility for that, because it's not a joke. That's what the Zohar is telling you. In this week, that's the energy that will be revealed. So let's understand it. Who's reading? Michelle, you reading it for us? And Please. Jacob sent messengers. Rabbi Yehuda began the discussion with this verse. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. This verse has already been explained by his friends. When man is born, the evil inclination enters with him and constantly denounces him. As it is written, sin crouches at the door. What is meant by sin crouches? It refers to the evil inclination. At the door means at the opening of the womb at a person's birth. So we understand. We have a dear friend. Okay? You need to introduce yourself. You need to introduce yourself. You need to know. It's happening. This is happening. It's on all the time. What does it mean on? Evil inclination. Wherever you're going to go, it's with you. When you do good things, it's with you too? Yes. When you give charities with you too? Yes. When you do the Shabbat and eat kosher, you don't need the half of the cow. He's, he's maybe advising you so he can get you for the ego. <laughs> you know, never stop. There all the time. La petach atat rovetz. He's sitting in the entrance. Some say it's the rechem, some say it's the door, some say it's the thought. He's always there to look for you. And let's understand more. Let's go. Verse 2. Day of his birth. 
So they, it's almost unfair. The evil inclination come for free. Nobody asked him to come. Come, I'm there. The good inclination only come or wake up when we decide to change. Let's see what it says, Gimel. Yeah. And when does man seek purity? On his 13th birthday, man joins with the good inclination on the right and the evil inclination on the left. There are literally two appointed angels found constantly with man. So when a person turned 13, Let's be honest here. I mean, I don't want to reveal all the secrets of the guys here. But when a man turns 13, there are some hormones change in a man's body. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? Man changes hormones. His sexuality change. Everything change. So what good inclination are you talking to me about? What's going on here? It's a good inclination? It's a worse inclination then. Not evil. Worse. The man cannot even control himself at this age, right? I mean, it's going crazy. The testosterone. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. What do you say? <laughs> I'm sorry. Some people are worse than others. <laughs> so the idea, the idea is the evil inclination is attacking non-stop. It doesn't stop in 13. So why would the Zohar said in 13, the age what they call bar mitzvah, for a girl is 12, bar mitzvah. Oh, beautiful. What beautiful. What beautiful. I ask a thousand men, they will tell me, or a thousand women, they will tell me that's the age that actually it gets worse. Get worse than when I was eight or seven. It was actually okay then. I didn't even think about sin. That was the age when I started thinking about sin. What does that mean? You know the term in English, they say there is a new block. There is a new kid on the block. You, you heard it before? What does that mean? There is a new kid on the block. What does that mean? There's a new kids on the block. What does that mean? What, what does that term even mean? What does it mean? Different huh? Different consciousness. Different what? Consciousness. Different consciousness. Consciousness. Okay. But what does that mean literally? No, but new kids on the block. What, what does that mean? Different person. Different person what? What is on the block? What do you have to say? New rules. New? Rules. Oh, it's new rules. I didn't know that. That's what I mean. I never heard that commentary, but that's Talmudic style, but I want you to explain it to me in more in an American style. What does that mean? Cool kids on the block. Yes. Different habits. Cool kids on the block. So what happened? The evil inclination is with you since you were born. 13 come, or 12, there's a new kid on the block. What is name? Yetzeratov. Good inclination. <laughs> what is that? Who do you think you are? Hey, where you come from? We are addicted to that evil inclination for 13 years. You think you're going to break it now? You think you're going to break it? That's the point here. So that's why we say, Abali Ta'er. When a person makes decision to get pure. Now what does that mean to get pure? Let's, let's read number four. Beautiful. Only when you come to get pure. But what happened to your evil inclination? The evil inclination starts serving you. Now you have enemy. You have problem in your life. You have issue that you cannot overcome. You always try to fix the outside. But there is an evil within me that I cannot overcome. And for that reason I cannot overcome the thing outside. The thing outside is just a reflection of an area in me that I cannot overcome. There is no point for me to change the enemy, to try to make them nicer to me. I have to be tougher on that evil inclination, win it, and then when I win that little addiction or whatever you want to call it, then I have two forces, two angels working for me. The good angel and the bad angel. The bad angel is actually even better than the good one. Because the bad angel can tell you, hey, be careful, there, 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 there. Every little temptation, every little problem, it will tell you. But a person is not looking to change, not looking to get purified and expect life to change for them and expect money to get better and expect relationship to get better and expect health to get better and expect something to get better. Why? What did I do? 
What did I do to make it better? You know, it's like there is this person in Tzfat, city of Tzfat, northern part of Israel. He believed to meet his soulmate. Believe, soulmate. So he locked himself in a little room. He studied all day long. And the, the door is locked. But he's waiting for somebody to knock on his door. His soulmate eventually, and he's waiting for 38 years. She didn't knock on the door yet. Sometimes you have to get out of the door to do something. Things are not happening. It's what is that you are not doing, you know, that you are not doing about it. The, the evil inclination will never leave you alone. The evil thought will never leave you alone. The evil words will never leave you alone. And it will take you so slowly that eventually you will do so many bad things, you wouldn't even know it's you. You would not believe that you're actually there. There is a story, there is a great story I read today. Very powerful story. It's a story about a um, um, student, not student, is the Mamshik, is the successor of the Baal Shem Tov. The successor of the Baal Shem Tov, his name is the Megid of Mezrich. The Megid of Mezrich, if you need to know, student of the Baal Shem Tov, the way that he found his teacher, he was making fun of him. He was with a different teacher. But he was sick. And he had great respect for his wife. And his wife told him, why don't you try, Baal Shem Tov, he knows some Kabbalah, he can cure you. To make the long story short, because that's not the story I want to tell you tonight. He went to Baal Shem Tov, become a successor, become a student, different time, I'll tell you what happened there. And he never cured him. He never get cured. But he became the successor of the Baal Shem Tov. A lot of time you go to meet a teacher, and you come with a certain expectation to receive something from him or from her. And then you get nothing. Nothing. But you get to stay with your teacher. That's a big one. So the story goes like this. The Megid said to his, after the Bashat of Dai, he has his own follower, his even more follower. And he said, it's time. And those of you who never been in his grave, it's a very holy grave. He, the Ravzusha buried next to him. He's the only one buried next to him. It's amazing. So he said, come with me. We're going to go with the horses. And we're going to go to visit the, the Mikve uh, uh, guy. In those days, the Mikve guy used to be the one who cleaned it. You know, wash the towels. If you cannot scratch your back, he's come and scratch your back. That's what the Mikve, in charge of the Mikve guy. That's what he did. Very low job in a, how we call it in the, in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in the in, a, in the levels of, of 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 job. He was somewhere, in, you know, a little bit in the bottom. So of course the student look at the rabbi and the teacher as a teacher. <laughs> we rather study. Listen, we have you. Let's study here. Why are we going to visit uh, somebody who clean make the, the towers? I mean, he said, come with me. And on the way, I tell you. And he started telling them that story. Say so that town, leave a tailor, good tailor, and people used to come to him and buy for him the clothes because it was good at what he does, but more it was funny. He knew how to make them laugh. And you know, in the Jewish neighborhood, Jewish Orthodox neighborhood, how many suits they're going to buy? One, two, that's it, that's it. But he became famous also among the non-Jewish crowd. So when the non-Jewish crowd start to come to his store, then he make a real money. And even the non-Jewish crowd, they don't have a lot of money. We talk about Russia, one of the villages. <laughs> but they come to enjoy the, him telling them a jokes and make them laugh. But when the non-Jewish poor crowd heard about it, they telling it to the rich people they work for. The cleaning lady tells the owner, this, this. Now they come to buy and he started making okay money, you know. And finally, a rich man came to him and said to him, listen, you make me laugh today. I didn't laugh for 20 years. You're very good. You're funny. I pay you whatever you make for a year just that you come to one party. So what do you mean? One party, I pay you whatever you make. You show me your paper, whatever you make, I pay you now in one shot. Can you come to the party? It's my daughter engagement. And I want you, I want you to come and make people happy. You're very good. You're professional. The guy, the guy look at his wife, he go to his wife, Hannah, he said, Hannah, honey, 
this is opportunity. I'm going. He said, go, go, bring money. We need it. We maybe buy a house. He go. He make everybody laugh. The old richest people, the head of the country, everybody's there is laugh. Among the people, because it's a very wealthy uh, person, there is also a few rabbis there in the back, but they don't care because they know they have to be part of that cheesecake, right? The part of that arena. And of course, in the end, everybody take wine, they get a few shrimps and lobster and pig, and he doesn't eat. He's an Orthodox Jew. They give him the sandwich, say, to respect you, we want to give you a piece from the richest man. Please eat. And he said to himself, I cannot say no. It would be disrespect to them. And I have to eat a little bit to make them happy because then they will judge all the Jewish are bad. And then, let me eat. Eat a bit. Eat a bit. Shrimp. He hated, but he had to make himself look like he's into it. He go back home, a lot of money, show his wife, he's very happy. And he does, he continues being a tailor, but the comedy club is kind of becoming like the thing. So they invite him to another party, he becomes more this time eating shrimps, lobster, he doesn't like it, but he has to do it. And he loved the drink, the alcohol become really good, they introduce him to more drink, not just wine, there is another. So he learned how to drink, he learned how to do a little drugs, he learned how to be a little bit charming with the girls, and the orthodox thing is going through the window, but he's very good money. He starts to get really drunk. His wife really starts to be worried about her. Him, he's getting very angry with her, saying, shut up, leave me alone, I know what I'm doing. Here's the money, shut up, Hannah. And things getting worse because a lot of young girls start to like him because it's funny. So he starts looking at them, how beautiful they are. So what am I doing with Hannah? I mean, I have those gorgeous girls around me. And he starts losing the beauty for his wife because his wife is gorgeous, but he couldn't see the beauty of his wife because he's into the drinking, 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 non-stop drinking. You guys just drinking all day long. So he starts beating up his wife, he starts beating up, abuse her because he couldn't stand the cheese in his life when he can have all those girls. And of course, he's no longer into spirituality. He's no longer follow any Kabbalist. He's gone. And of course, the student, on the way he listens to the negative of the story, and they don't get the connection between a mikveh cleaning to this guy. But they're waiting. They trust the Rebbe that he will tell them. And the story continues. And he tells them, well, <clears throat> in one point, the rich person of the city invited him for a meeting. And he said to him, listen to me, dear. You're getting old. Your party and your jokes are old. You gotta come up with something new. My people don't like you anymore. Now, don't forget now, that's all his business. He closed the tailor shop. His wife is shaking when he walk into the house. He has a drinking problem, severe drinking problem. He's not into spirituality. Look how the evil inclination work. It make you star, but it's the only thing that also bring you down. But when he bring you down, you have no chance to come back. So you say, I have to come up with an idea. What to do? To make the people laugh. He was not thinking about how to change. He was thinking about how can I not lose my job. That's how the evil inclination works. The evil inclination don't make you change. It makes you think what is that you are, need to do to get the crowd respecting your evil inclination. And what happened? He decided that he will imitate the Baal Shem Tov. He said, you know what? I'm going to go to Baal Shem Tov. And I am going to find a way for me to look at him and then I bring it to the people and they will start laughing. Great idea. He go to the Baal Shem Tov. There is a big party around him. Nobody let him in. But he was capable of telling them that he you know all the most important people in town. Please let me in. He walk in. And he see the phone for the Baal Shem Tov. And you know, there are people singing and they're eating and, they're, and he tried to imitate, take note how he drink, what he does. And he started feeling something spiritual, but he was ner nervous. So he put enough wall and said, I'm not coming here to listen, I'm not here coming to be spiritual. I'm done with spirituality. I found my way as a comedian. And as the Baal Shem Tov sings, sing, and then he stopped, he looked at him, and he's getting nervous, and Baal Shem Tov continue. And that's going and going and going. Until Baal Shem Tov starts speaking. He said, you know, he stopped. And he started talking about spirituality. Start talking about transformation. Start talking about change. Start talking about sometimes people fall, but it's not their fault. It's the evil inclination. It's the one who killed them. And he starts feeling something. 
and he cannot ignore it. He tried to stay bad, but the bed is not strong. Because once you meet your real teacher, when you meet your real teacher, what is your real teacher? What is your real teacher job? Your real teacher is to bring you back to your potential, to bring you back to what God talked to you when you were, when you were in your mother's fetus, as a fetus in a mother's womb. The angel is saying to talk to you and tell you what your purpose in life. Your real teacher recognizes it and bring you back to that place. He couldn't hold it and he started crying. And then he go to Baal Shem Tov, hug him and said, please help me. I fell to the lowest level a human being can fall. I'm negative. I hate everybody. I've been up my wife. I have a drinking problem. I have every problem person can have in the book. So the Baal Shem Tov looked at him said to him, the angel told me about you. You are really in the lowest level a person can be. So what do I do? There is a tikkun. There is correction for that. So, well, you have to meditate a lot. You have to pray a lot. You have to fast. And when you're ready, um, I will tell you what to do after that. So he's fasting from Shabbat to Shabbat. He's like body is falling apart. It's very difficult for him. He feel like he's dying a thousand times. And at that point, when the Baal Shem Tov pray, he said to his helper, I think he starts reaching the level where he needs to be. So they take him back to his wife. Of course, they knock on the door and say, she's nervous. She hears his name. She's getting very nervous. He said, no, no, please take him away from me. He will beat me up. He said, no, no, it was Friday. He said, we promise he's, he's better. So they're opening the door. She let him in. She's hiding in the room, locking herself. She said, very nervous that he will beat her up again. And then she hear him doing the blessing over the wine, the Kiddush, what we call, for the first time after years. And she said, oh, my God, my husband is back. She looked. It's her husband, but she's nervous. And start changing. And that Shabbat, the end of that Shabbat, Baal Shem Tov arrived to his house. He said, I need you to move to another city with your wife, a city called Lamberg, and you will be in charge of being the mikveh cleaner so you can clean all the negativity you did to your wife, to people, to a lot of people you heard. That's what will be your job. And if you accept it, I promise you that Elijah the prophet will come to you every day to teach you Kabbalah. You will hear the original Kabbalah from Elijah the prophet. So he doesn't want to move Lumberg, doesn't want to be a mikveh cleaner, but that's life, you know, opportunity to clean your soul. Do you want to clean your soul? Or you want to be an important body? Or nobody? So he's traveling to Lumberg, Eliyahu Navi come to him all the time, teaching him every night Kabbalah. One time at that city, Lamberg used to be famous because it used to be few Kabbalists to live there. So the teacher who lived there, the Kabbalists walking by, and they used to feel the energy. The passing by the house of that mikveh cleaner, and he said to his student who live here, he said, nobody, nobody important. He said, is he a rabbi? He said, no, no. Is he a tzaddik, righteous? No. Is he a Kabbalist? No, Rabbi, it's nobody. Let, let's continue. So now I'm not going to continue. There's something going on here. I feel it. It was at night time when Eliyahu Navi was there. He said to him, please knock on the door. So he knocked on the door. The guy come out. He said, my Rabbi, I want to meet you. So he goes. He said, yes, Rabbi. He said, can I talk to you aside? He said, yeah. He said, who are you? He said, I'm cleaning the mikveh, and I'm the one who in charge to wash the towels, to do the thing. That's my job. So I want you to ask a question, please be honest. Is Eliyahu Navi teaching you? Is Elisha the prophet teaching you Kabbalah? Say yes, he does. Say, can I come in? He said, I'm not sure. I'm allowed to answer that. I have to ask him. And tomorrow I met you, I will tell you. So he asked Elijah the prophet. The rabbi cannot wait to hear. So he said to him, Elijah the prophet, say no. He said to the Kabbalist, no. So the rabbi starts crying, say, I can't believe what, what do I do to make the merit to, to, to meet a real Kabbalah teacher? Like, this is it. He said, but he allowed, me, he allowed me to teach you that. He told me I can teach you what he teach me, but you don't allow to meet him. And that's what it was. So by that time, the carriage arrived to that city to meet him. And as they arrived, the Megid almost finished the story and he tell them the rabbi started to have some doubts. The rabbi, the Kabbalist, about that mikveh guy. 
and he went back to us along on the door again and said, tell me, how do I know that Elisha the prophet really meet with you? How do I know? He say, every day that he meet with me, it will be nobody who die in this neighborhood. That's how you know. The rabbi went back and I started checking. Well, nobody died. He's the one in charge of the cemetery. Nobody died. People don't die. That day, that day, they told the rabbi that there is somebody who died that they have to open the cemetery. And he said, ah, I got him. He fooled me. Then when he go to check, it's the big cleaner who died. He's the one who died. He's the one who died. And that's why the Megid brought all the students for the alvaya, for the, for the burial. He wanted to be there to bury that tzaddik. The reason I'm sharing with you this story that I found fascinating, there's hope for every human being. But to win the evil inclination, my dear friend, you're going to do something. You cannot sit and do the same life again. Kabbalah, or study of the Zohar, is not about fashionable. It's not about having more knowledge. It's about change. What is about us that we are not changing? We have to be fighter to change. We have to create. That's what we're doing here. We're creating a group to make it different. Not to make this one a different, to make this a different. That you going to go out there and make a different. That's what it's all about. People need us right now. People need, people are bleeding. People are going through a tough time. It's not just money in life. It's not just uh, finding the soulmate, everybody, but finding the soulmate. Finding the soulmate. What an ego trip. I can't stand that word. I'm looking for my soulmate. I'm looking, everybody, we're looking for, who came up with that? I'm looking for my soulmate. Always a man come to me and say, I said, are you involved in a relationship? Looking for my soulmate. I said, trust me, I'm a psychic. Your soulmate weight 390 pounds. Would you still take her? <laughs> well, let me tell you, I, I'm not feeling she's my soulmate. <laughs> I didn't say body mate, I said soulmate. All of a sudden, there is no soulmate. What happened to the soulmate? Because we think soulmate is a badge. Ooh, wow, we have like spiritually. When people say to me, I'm looking for love, I say, ah, bravo, beautiful. Looking for love. Look for love. Enough with the soulmate. Look for love. Purpose of life, love. To be able to love, to be able to receive love, you did it. Here, we learn from the Baal Shem Tov, we learn from the Megid of Message, we learn from that Mikve guy. He went lower than all of us together. But he wanted to change. When a person come to purify himself, don't worry. There's enough force out there that will help you to get purified. Just make a decision that you want to change. You cannot stay as you are. You cannot stay as you are. The Talmud call about a person who don't want to change, Atovel v'sheretz v'yado. Atovel means person who will go to the mikveh, but is still holding a shrimp in his hand. That's sheretz. He's holding a, sh a shrimp like, yeah, I'm doing mikveh. Yeah, but where is your mind? Where is your mind? It's like somebody told me that the cure <clears throat> for people who get jealous is to light candles. He says, so what do you do? I said, I'm lighting a lot of candle now. I said, do you stop being jealous? No, but I'm lighting candle. It's not the purpose. Hello, hello. What happened to us? We find all kind of tools and we forget what the purpose is. The purpose is to change. Those tools, whatever it is, palm reading, face, astrology, uh, telling the future, those are tools, those are little spice you put on the, on the food. Can you imagine if you come to my house and I serve you salt and pepper? Here I have salt. Have pepper and cumin. Those are just bring, manifest whatever you do, but it cannot be the only thing. Anyway, let's read <clears throat> now the famous meeting and how consciousness change when you go into a meeting. So here. Jacob, the greatest of the patriarchs, 
the one chosen to be the perfect portion of the Holy One, blessed be he, and the one very close to him, bowed before this evil Esau, who stands on the side of another L. For bowing to him is in the same as bowing to another L. You may find, observe by referring to the saying, that when the fox is in the ascendant, bow to him. There is a parable describing a time when the fox reigns over the animal. Although the fox is the smallest of the beasts, everyone bows before it. And here, too, we might say that Jacob bowed to Esau because the hour was favorable for him. This, however, is not so. For Esau is considered as another elf, and Jacob would never bow to that side and portion. There's a few things going on in this verse, guys. It's called Yesh Sha'asha'am Mesacheket Lo. Sometimes in life, you're going to meet terrible people that for the moment, they will be your leader. Only for the moment. Remember what I'm telling you again. That's from the Zohar. Sometimes you're going to be in a situation where the wrong thing will control the good thing. But it's up to your consciousness if you fall for it. Don't ever sell your soul to the dark side just because at that moment you have no choice. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. And I want to explain what it means. You know, there is thousands of stories about Kabbalists, about women, about men, even in our modern time, about modern time, that story that I heard from a lady that she has eight kids, husband, they were very wealthy and things went really bad. Nothing left, no money. Her husband didn't manage right the factory. They were creating sweater. He didn't create, he didn't understand what's coming next because they were sitting on this factory of his father and money was good. They were very wealthy. But things changed. Things moved to China. A lot of weird things happened in the 80s. And the whole thing crashed. No money. She had eight kids. They continued to make kids. They're doing the Shabbat dinner for about 200 people. They invited for free. And things, tick, tick, tick. Slowly, slowly. Now they're ashamed to say no to people. As they're ashamed to say no to people, then at one point they have to close that party of 200 people. So they went down from that. So then they went down to a small apartment. In the small apartment, which some of the kids has to live in the his brother's house, who also doesn't have money, and things getting worse and getting worse until they lost that apartment too. Food stamp and all this and that, kids going on drugs, rehab, all kind of problem. I have to tell you, it was a disaster. She was crying, you know, and as she was crying, that man took her for lunch. He said, listen, I want to talk to you. Took her to lunch and said, listen, I'm a lawyer. I work for the government. And I don't know if you remember me. We went to the same elementary school. He tell her her name. He said, yeah, I remember your name. Don't recognize you. He said, I'm very wealthy now. But I want some benefit. She said, what do you mean? I said, listen, based on the paper, what you show me and everything you show me, you, you're both going to go to prison. There is a lot of illegal thing that your husband did without even you know it. With the IRS, with tax, with this and that. You have a big problem. I'm willing to pay whatever you need to pay. But all my life, I want you as my wife. And he took you away from me. It's an old story. So what are you asking for? He said, I want you. To be friendly with me. And I will take care of everything. The wife, and he said, don't panic. Just go home and think about it. She go home. She starts crying. Say, God, how low? How low? I have no home. My kids on drugs. Nothing works. Now this. Why? Why, God? And she's crying. And nothing. And I, I met her in the lowest like level. And I said, you know, there is a section in the Zohar 
It's called Tikkun Azor. It's a section that we, Debbie and me are printing now. So take that Zohar and read. He said, don't you have a solution for me? She told me, don't you give me some money? Don't you talk to your people? I said, please, let's try that. I said, well, how many days he gave you? He said, five. I said, okay, let's try it for three days. So she reading the Zohar, Tikkun Azor, three days. Say any phone call, something new? She said, nothing. Nothing, Eliyahu. She gets very angry with me. And after five days go by, no miracle, nothing happened. She goes. She go there to meet him in the hotel. She hates herself. On the way, you know, she got a drink. At least she forget her problem. Her husband doesn't know what's going on. The kids doesn't know what's going on. She's going to commit that crime that she promised herself never in her life she'll do. Because sometimes when the fox, remember that rules, when the fox become the king, meaning when the dark side can twist things in a second, that's the test. So she walked into the hotel, and the lawyer said, thank you for trusting me, let me sign the paper and this. She looked at him saying, listen, I only came to apologize. I can't do it. I love my husband, and I just can't do it. If the idea is that we will go to prison, then we will go. And she's about to leave. I said, oh, wait a minute, I want to tell you something too. He said, I always had the respect for you and your husband. But when I saw what you did with the government, with the IRS and all this, I lost my respect. And the reason I did that to you is actually only to test if you are for real like the woman that I love when I was in elementary school. I never had in my mind to do anything to you. But I want to help you, and you will pay me later. I will tell you how you're going to do it. And he took them out of poverty and paid for everything. The end is very good. But listen, guys. It's not about if she did it or didn't do it. It's about she, he already knew he's not going to do it with her. But she went there with the conscience she's not going to do it. That's how she wins the fox who act like the king. The code for a fox that becoming like the king, meaning that sometimes in life, you're going to find yourself lower than what you are, and the people who are the worst in your life become your boss, become the people who tell you what to do. At that moment, don't sell your soul. Don't sell your soul. Your soul is very important. It's a little test that you have to pass. It's a moment of anger. It's a moment that the love of your life say, I'm leaving you, or I'm cheating on you, or something bad will happen. Everybody will have to go through that moment. That's called the moment of confrontation. Yaakov is going to meet Esau. Yaakov is not just king, he's the king of all kings. He's Tiferet, he's the center column of all the Sephirot. Yaakov is like everything. Skuchabarich, who is the center column. He's going to Esau now? He's going to Esau? Where is God? Where is God? That's the test. So, so the Zohar said, maybe Yaakov is bowing to him because Yaakov bowed seven times to his brother because now the fox become the king. Say, no, the Zohar, God forbid you talk like this about Yaakov. And no, Ken. No, it's not like that. Yaakov is like the other God. When you go into a tough time, the other person who abuse you or do things to you is becoming like the other God. Yaakov Le'olam never will bow to something like that. So why did he bow? Here is the next verse. Please, let's read it. He answers, It is written, and thus shall you say to him, A hearty greeting, literally to the living one. Peace be, with, peace be both to you, and peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. He asks, if it is forbidden to give the first greeting to wicked people, why did David say this to the wicked Nabal? He said, he said this to the Holy One, blessed be he, in order to connect Nabal with the living one. The Holy One, blessed be he. Thus the verse to the living one was addressed to the Holy One, blessed be he, and not to Nabal. Although Nabal thought it was addressed to him. Nabal was a reincarnation of Lavan. Nabal called cursing David. Why is David saying hello to him even? They say David was looking at him, but he was talking to God. Where is your consciousness? Let's, let's just go real fast to 119, please. Same thing. Similarly, 
Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. He asks, did he bow to his son? No, he bowed to the place where the Shekinah rested. She was at the head of the bed, where the Shekinah sound near the head of the ill. Here, too, he passed over before them, which meant that the supernal Shekinah went before him. This is the supernal guardian who kept him. When Jacob saw her walking in front of him, he said, It is time to bow before the Holy One, blessed be he, who went before him. And the last one, which is the answer for our question. He knelt and bowed seven times until he came near to his brother. It is not written he bowed himself before Esau, but when he saw the Holy One, blessed mm. be he, walked mm. in front of him, mm. he bowed before him. Yes. This indicating that he was not paying respect or worshiping someone else. All was done appropriately. Happy are the righteous whose every deed is for the glory of their master, so as not to deviate right or left, in the straight and middle path. So, the idea of Jacob, he saw God with him because God came with him. The Shekhinah came with him. So when he bowing seven, the number seven from Chesed and Malchut, he bowing, and he bowing seven times to connect to that power. But from that point of view, what happened? When you are searching the Creator, when you are looking only for God, you're only looking for the light of the Creator, what happened? The evil people start feeling that you're doing it for them. This is their movie. They start believing that you're actually, oh my God, these guys start worshiping me. You don't worship them. Let them think it. Don't get insulted. You are actually connected to the creator, to the divine. And when you connect to the divine, they feel like, oh, he respects me. Oh my God. You don't need to care. If you're working only on your connection to the divine, like King David, like Jacob, you're connected to the divine. So when he bow, it's not about respecting Esau. It's about you respecting that divine, that power that created you. And you are in that moment, you have this beautiful moment between you and the divine. And then at that moment, this will not exist for you. It's not important. So he, whatever he bite you or he kiss you, that's already let the creator run the show. You're not the director. You're not the producer. A lot of us try to manipulate the situation on a superficial level. So you manipulate one situation, you're going to do the second. You manipulate second, you're going to do the third. You want to put it forward, you're going to do the fifth. And now, connect to the divine. Connect to the screenwriter, which is the creator. And then from that moment, everything will change. But the reason I brought that section for you, my friend, is consciousness is everything. Meaning, where is your mind when you do what you do? Where is your mind? And secondly, what, what I said to you with that story, with that lady, is what are you doing? You have to have that question in your wallet. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? What are you, how low can you go? What are you doing? Yes, you're in a tough situation, money-wise. You're in a tough situation, health-wise. You're in a tough situation, any other-wise. What are you doing? Don't go that low. You're much better than that. You have to remind yourself. Don't go that low just because you're desperate, just because you're lonely, just because, stop. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. You deserve better. God want to give you better. Just don't fall. Don't fall. Don't start bowing to, to the, the dark side so you can get benefit for your life to get better. That's an illusion. What you're going through is not there to stay, as King Solomon said. King Solomon said, no good things is there to stay and no bad thing is there to stay. Everything is passing by. Everything is passing by. Everything is passing by. Remember that. You're going through a tough time, it's not there to stay. Two people are fighting with each other. Remember, it's not there to stay. Let it, let it pass. It's just an hour, two hours. It's gone. Everything is not there to stay. And please remember, because a lot of the time, I meet couples who are getting divorced. They don't hate each other. They actually love each other more than you can believe. They just couldn't find the common language. Stupid, right? Stupid. Everybody with a little ego. Everybody with their other God, El Acher, and they're bowing to the other God, and that's what they do. But if they find Emek HaShaveh, they found the common language between themselves, they will find a way to talk. But everybody, you know, they're going after whatever it is. Yeah, it seems okay, it seems okay. Don't ever compromise about your soul. Your soul is the most beautiful thing that exists in this universe. Don't compromise. Don't sell yourself to the devil. Are you stupid? What's wrong with you? Just because you've been not happy with this man or this woman, now you're going to change to something evil. 
Why? Because I guess uh, I can't find the right one. You know, I can't find my soulmate. She's 390 pounds. So let me find whatever is in the market. What's wrong with you? You have to look for the inner beauty. There's a lot of inner beauty you're missing if you only look for the cover. Yes, some, most of us judge a book by the cover. But what is love? Love is a feeling. It's not a look. You have to feel something. There is a communication. There is a talk. There is something happening there. It's not just, oh my God, he looked great. She looked great. Ooh, muscles, tall, nice, green eyes. That's not love. That's not love. That's a magazine. It's a page from a magazine. Do you want to marry for a page for a magazine? Yeah, you take, you're standing there, and you have a chupa, and I get you a page from a magazine. <laughs> They're creating now. They're creating a robot in Japan that look like men and women the whole nine years. Yeah, they cannot just give birth to kids. They do everything else. They're doing it in Japan. Guys, if we gave up on love, we gave up on ourselves. If we only look for the external, we gave up on ourselves, not on the, themselves. You don't give up on give people. When you give up, when you stop relationship with good people, it's because you gave up on yourself. There is something inside of you you gave up on. It's yourself. Don't forget about that person you left. You left them. Ah, find something better. No. If they are good people that you left, that is something inside of you gave up on yourself. Remember that rules. If you remember that rules, your life will change. Don't ever give up on yourself. Don't ever let the fox fool you because it's only for the moment that he's the king. Five minutes, ten minutes, and it will be gone. Just wait longer time. And wait. Just wait a little bit more. Let's close our eyes and wish for each other this week that we will be able to pass all the tests that the four of us and whatever seem tempting because of our situation, I'd like to ask the Creator, the Divine, the angels, the Tzadikim above to help us to go to that test with respect to the soul that God created. And let's spread this knowledge, let's spread this meaning to more and more people so we can change the world and we can make it a better place to be. Of course, I would like to thank you for coming and God bless. Thank you very much. Thank you.